Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way. You want to see your loan options, adjust payments and closing costs online in real time, folks. Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Connor Green with us. He's meek. He's a very likable young man. I made my first gaffe of 2021. So I'm doing the interview with Matt Verderam, who's great, by the way. Great stuff from him. Find him on Twitter at Matt Verderam with an E at the end there. Follow him on Twitter. Great guy. And we're talking about week 17, and I I look up at the TV, and it said Texas has fired Tom Herman. I went, oh, okay. And so I'm not trying – because I I need to pay attention to the guy I'm talking to because I want to start reading tweets and all that other stuff. I'm talking to Matt Verderam and Connor. It seems that Tom Herman's been fired, and they're going to hire Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. Is this correct? That's what it looks like. That's what I've been seeing. Because I said, hey, Tom Herman got canned. Who's going to replace him next on CBS? And people are going, Ken, it's going to be Steve Sarkeesian. Ken, you didn't check your Twitter. You know what? You got me. Savor the flavor. Sure as hell is definitely going to happen again. Sorry. So Steve Sarkeesian in, Steve Sarkeesian in at Texas. And on his way out is Tom Herman. I, I there was, It's a weird thing with Texas. Texas is a program that has absolutely no excuse. 855-2124-CBS, by the way. I'm going to get back to the college football playoffs and everything like that. And we also have Worker Shoot coming up, and in, in Brandon Marcella going to join us uh, from 24-7 Sports at 12.40 p.m. Eastern. Texas is a program with absolutely zero excuse. It's a football-rich environment. Even the players who aren't incredible athletes, and you still have incredible athletes because it's a state like Texas with a huge population – even if you don't have incredible athletes, you have guys who know the game. So if you get a kid from Texas, he should have knowledge of the game. He should be good at what he does. You should be able to fill that role and be fine. That's why so many teams want to go into Texas and recruit. That's why if you're like if you're Arkansas, you should be able to go into Texas. And you can disagree with me on this if you want. If, if you're Arkansas, if you're Sam Pittman, you should be able to go into Texas. And no, you shouldn't be able to get kids who can go to A&M. You shouldn't be able to get kids who are from Texas who are able to, to go to Ohio State, which Ohio State's gotten a couple of kids from Texas, obviously, recently, uh, a couple of other schools. You shouldn't be able to get those guys. But you can get good quality players that can win you games in the SEC that can help you raise up. And then, eventually, you could be able to get some of those players to, to think about Arkansas in a way they didn't think before. That's To me, that's how you build. You build your program, you teach them right, and then away you go. Are guys who have good, solid knowledge of the game, kids who have good, solid knowledge of the game from the time they're six, seven years old. That's what you can do. Tom Herman didn't do that. When you're Texas and you're in that rich of an environment where it's that important, where it's taught the right way in high school, 
and you turn in these performances, I'm sorry, there's there's zero sympathy for you. He'll be a head coach again. He'll get another shot again. I really do believe that for Tom Herman. But I think hubris is what took him down. Things were so good for him at Ohio State. He should have learned. Things were so good for him at Houston. That's what was surprised was you're in a city like Houston. You're a program like Houston. Houston's not garbage. It's just not Texas. Houston's pretty good. It's just not Texas. And you're at these previous stops and you don't learn and, and then you have this touch. When you're up there with the big boys and you're on the radar now, you are on the radar with Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson and so on, it's for keeps. And when you're losing guys in state, kids who are born in state, and this is a this is me making a generalization. Maybe people listening in Texas can could correct me on this. When you're born in this state, in the state of Texas, Texas should have a leg up. It's Texas. It's the state school. AM is a good university. Tech is a good university. These are good schools. You ain't Texas. And the coach at Texas needs to make that abundantly clear. It is your birthright. It is what your life's work is to do up until this point. You were born to play for the University of Texas. You're a five-star athlete. You're a five-star recruit. You're an All-American. It's time to come to Texas. It's time to do what so many have done before you and fight for Texas. This is what it's supposed to be. No state in this union has more pride of itself than people from Texas. And when you let Alabama and Ohio State go in there and take your recruits away and then go out and and not have success the way they have, it is unfoundingly terrible. And so there's no – there's guys who have in-game problems and – they're not able to do it to that level. Yeah, they've recruited pretty well, but to let guys go to other schools, it, to me, it's 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 unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. Now, the decision with Steve Sarkeesian that raises some eyebrows because we know Steve Sarkeesian's history. But if we can let that be history, there he's forty six years old. He's been through the ringer, and I look at his schedule and I look at what he's done, or I look at his record and I look at what he's done. There's a lot of things that Steve Sarkeesian has done that has been pretty good. He got Washington out of the dumps, led them back to a decent record, got got them going in the right direction before he left in 2013, did some good things at Washington. I know he had three straight, what, seven-win seasons and then got got to cash in with an eight-win season there, but Washington was in a really tough place when he took over that program. He's a good offensive mind. He seems to be at some sort of peace right now, and that can be a volatile thing. But he has led guys before when things are bad and has turned them. This is a different level, though. This is Texas. Washington, as good as Washington has been in certain histories, they are not what Texas is. And they won a national championship under Don James. I got it. But they're not what what Texas is. And so there's going to be a a massive amount of pressure on him. There will be because it's that school. And they don't care about the money. They'll just fire you and move on. And this is another thing where they tried. They they tried their Urban Meyer approach. They tried the rock star approach. I give them credit for trying. This is going to be a guy who will work will roll up his sleeves, 
He'll recruit. I think that Steve Sarkeesian, as much as I just said about him, I think that he has a ton to prove. I think he has a ton that he wants to to prove to America that he is a great football coach and he's a good offensive mind, that his personal problems that he's had in the past with alcohol and everything else, he has put them beside him, behind himself. I think he wants to prove some. What you got here is a very hungry head coach that will leave no corner uh, no stone, no corner unlooked at, no stone unturned, anything you want to. I think you got yourself a guy who will do the little things that I was hearing Tom Herman wasn't doing, flat out. That's what I think that Texas has in Steve Sarkeesian. I think that he will show up because he had to do this at, at, at Washington and he had to do this for a period of time at USC before things obviously went awry. I think he'll show up at a recruit's house he will be able to speak to that person. He'll be able to speak to that mom and dad about what he's done in his history, good and bad and ugly, and be able to look at them dead in the eye and says, my life has not been perfect. I have had trials. I've had tribulations just like your mother, just like your father, just like grandma, whatever. I've come out on the other side. I'm here at Texas now. This is my opportunity to build this thing into a great program, and I want you to put Texas football back where it belongs as one of the upper echelon programs in the entire country, one of the most recognizable brands in the world. I have this opportunity, and I want you to come with me. Together we can do it together. You, me, 80 other guys, we can do it together. We can take what's supposed to be ours. Big 12 championships, a rivalry with with Oklahoma, put ourselves back in the national championship spotlight and do what a school like Texas is supposed to do. Matthew McConaughey and the Undertaker on the sideline, that's an added bonus. That's pretty cool. But that's what Steve Sarkeesian can do. A lot of guys, it it can be a a holier-than-thou because they've been around for so long. Or it can be a, this guy's amazing, and we, when he comes to the, the house, the whole neighborhood's looking out there because they see that car down there. That's Nick Saban down there. Nick Saban has that. Steve Sarkeesian doesn't. Steve Sarkeesian shows up, you know that he has to work for you. And that might matter to a kid. That might matter to a kid's parents. This is a guy who's doing everything he can to be on the upright and all right. This is a guy who could take care of my son. That's going to be something that he can probably preach as he starts to get in with work there. So it looks like he will be be hired by the University of Texas. I think it's a pretty decent hire. I really do. It's it's not Urban Meyer, but Urban Meyer comes with his own set of problems. Urban Meyer comes with his own set of questions, and I'll talk about Urban possibly being an NFL head coach coming up in the next hour. You tried your home run hire. He didn't take it. It didn't work. There's some evidence out there on the Internet that he was in town. That's okay. You can always take a meeting. That's perfectly fine. I'd love to see Urban back in college football. I think that Urban was sitting there in the uh, up there in the rafters yesterday watching that game, and I think he misses it. I think he misses call, doing college football. I think he misses being a coach. There's no doubt about it. And I don't think that he's done for the rest of his life. I really don't. Maybe it's not the right time. I'd love to see Urban Meyer back in college football. I'd love to see Urban Meyer back in a program like Texas. Not Texas, and I've, I've been adamant about USC. I think that it makes a ton of sense. He's he's Hollywood. He's a huge name. His family would like it out there. There's a lot of things about L.A. that I think that Urban Meyer would really, really like. And I think it would be a really cool experience for him, and I think that he'd enjoy it. It probably wouldn't end nice because these things don't end nice when it comes to Urban Meyer. 
but it would certainly start out well and probably be pretty profitable for a while. 855-2124-CBS. But I do think that Steve Sarkeesian is a solid hire. I think this is a guy that's going to do everything he can to get them back to some prominence. And I think he's a guy who has the wherewithal to get them back to prominence, to get them back to the cusp of a college football playoff conversation, an argument about the college football playoff wins in the in the Red River shootout, excuse me, rivalry, beg your pardon, almost have to dump that. You wins in that, in that series. It has been a little bit back and forth, I'll grant it that. But real competition against Oklahoma in the Big 12. And you look at the Big 12, there's some good coaches there in the Big 12. One in particular, I don't know how much longer he's going to be there. His, his game starts later on today. But still, there's some good coaches there in the Big 12. It, it has become a really competitive conference. As much as we want to say about some of these guys, it's become a competitive conference for them. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a situation where Texas just lines up and beats the brakes off of everybody. I think Chris Kleiman will get things really going at Kansas here over the course of the next couple of years. Bottom kind of fell out because he took over some good seniors. Bottom kind of fell out this year. We'll see what he does for the future. I'm excited about what Iowa State could possibly do with Matt Campbell if they hold on to Matt Campbell. That goes without saying. Anybody who listens to the show knows that. It goes without saying what I think of, of Lincoln Riley and how he just takes quarterbacks and he just makes them better and better and better as time goes on. Some good coaches there at the top. And I think Steve Sarkeesian could be one of them with Texas. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Coming up in a bit, you know, I love the arguments between four and five. I think it's fun. I think it's passionate. But I think a lot of the eight-team naysayers are looking at it totally wrong. That coming up in just over 40 minutes. Work or shoot, coming up next. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show. Lee in South Carolina. Steak sauce, yes or no? Uh, no. Ramen noodle seasoning packet. On steak? Yes. Best thing in the world. Well, okay, that's a surprise. On CBS Sports Radio. Man, I totally forgot about the ramen noodle seasoning packet on the top of the steak, man. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. I want to see that again. I got to have that. I haven't tried it because I totally forgot about it. Brendan Marcella going to join us coming up uh, at 12.40 p.m. Eastern, 8 for, or 9.40 a.m. Pacific. Somebody goes, Ken, I want to know what your thoughts on Dabo are. That's what I – okay, I will tell you 1 p.m. Eastern. I promise you this, okay? I sent them at the beginning of the show. You can always go back and listen. CBSSportsRadio.com, where the podcasts are. I'll tell you again coming up at 1 o'clock Eastern. we got a lot of stuff to get into. Got Tom Herman. He just got canned. Got bowl games going on. We are moving on without Dabo Sweeney for the rest of 2021 here, for the rest of this season crossing over to 2021. Dabo will be back coming up next season. That's a guarantee. And I spoke what I spoke about Urban. I'll, I'll bring it up again coming up at probably around 1.20 p.m. Eastern. I said what I said about Urban. Urban's got himself a great decision to make about the NFL. And I got to tell you, I don't think it's going to work out so great. But I don't think it's for some of the reasons that some of these think pieces are telling you for. That coming up at 1.20 p.m. Eastern. 855-2124-CBS. Are you ready, Connor? Connor, by the way, Connor Green, Syracuse grad. I beg your pardon. Mr. Green, hi. <laughs> I didn't realize you went to Syracuse. Congratulations on all your success. The velvet ropes have parted. You just go to Syracuse. That's all it is. Thank you, sir. Wow. What's it like to know you're going to be my boss someday? 
<laughs> feels great, like? Ken. Yeah, it, it should. Great. You're going to put me and my wife and kids out on the street someday. Congratulations, <laughs> Syracuse grad. Wow. So successful. So wonderful. Last time I heard, I heard you fart, and it doesn't stink because you went to Syracuse. Ken, it's the Harvard of Central New York. It's like Harvard up there. When it come, folks, when it comes to broadcasting schools, Syracuse is the creme de la creme. And every kid who goes there wants you to know that it's the creme de la creme. That's why I'm surprised that Connor didn't tell me the first time we ever talked that he went to Syracuse. He probably did, and I probably wasn't paying attention because I'm really in on myself here. All right, we ready, Connor? Are we ready to do work or shoot? I am ready, Ken. All right, you guys know the rules of work or shoot. It's true or false, except that would be false or true because a work is false and a shoot is true. But I'd rather do it in a different parlance because if I were to just say true or false, I don't think that's entertaining as saying work or shoot. And I like to say work or shoot because I really like wrestling and it's my show and that's exactly what we're going to do. So remember, a work is false, a shoot is true. Connor, take it away. All right, Ken. Last night, Trevor Lawrence threw for 400 yards and two touchdowns, but also turned the ball over twice as Clemson fell to Ohio State. 49 to 28. Lawrence wasn't horrendous, but he wasn't his normal dominant self as Ohio State matched up well with Clemson offensively. So can work or shoot. Last night's game should be a message to all NFL teams who believe a savior quarterback will turn around their franchise that even if a quarterback is uniquely talented, if things around them break down, they won't have success. Okay, the way you worded it, the way you worded it, you know what? Shoot. Shoot. That is a straight shoot. I love the way you worded that, Connor, because this it's, it's an owner problem. It's not a general manager problem. I don't even think it's a fan problem. I think a lot of fans, there are some people who, who might call in and get crazy, and, and we, we see the stories. It takes a minute, man. Like, guys – Joe Burrow's great. The Bengals still sucked. The Bengals are still bad. Justin Herbert's great. The Chargers are still bad, and he's got a coach holding him back. Tua takes a little time. We'll get to that coming up in a bit. But I think general managers and a lot of fans know it's just owners. Owners see dollar signs. They're business people. They see dollar signs. They see promotion. They see a guy up there on the billboard that their fans can rally behind. Because then – when you take that quarterback, it will buy you patience. Like, if you take Jaguars fans, you take Trevor Lawrence, you put him up on the billboard, you can't say restore the roar. That's a Ryan thing. I don't really know what sound a Jaguar makes, to be honest with you. I don't know. Maybe you can use some sort of analogy there. But you put that up on the billboard, you sell tickets, maybe him just yelling, Duval, one of them things. And then people just buy in. And you'll probably go like 4-12 and 12 next year, but as long as he stays healthy and looks good, it doesn't matter. Then you put more around him, and then probably by year two, you're starting to really knock at that door and see where you go. So there is, there's just a new buy to it. But the the quote unquote savior quarterback, I mean Peyton Manning was a savior quarterback. He still went three and thirteen his first year. So what is a savior quarterback? Is it just saving good good feelings with our fan base? Is that what a savior quarterback really is? So you know what? The way you were for a second, I started laughing because I thought you were going to say. Should we think twice about Trevor Lawrence? Number one, I went, oh, God. (laughs) I thought that's what you were thinking, too. Yeah, so I started laughing, and then the way you said I go, you know what? Young man, that's why you went to Syracuse, because you're right. Did a good job there. That's a shoot. Next. All right, Ken. Number two, as we all know, Dabo Sweeney ranked Ohio State 11th in his coaches poll. 
He said it wasn't meant as disrespect, but he felt that it was unfair to teams that played a full schedule if Ohio State made the playoff. Of course, Clemson lost to Ohio State last night, and now everyone is crushing Dabo for that ranking. But can work or shoot? Ultimately, Ohio State is one of the four best teams in the country. Oh, yeah. But I understand the point Dabo was making. He didn't rank Ohio State 11th out of disrespect, and he shouldn't be crushed for having that opinion. That is a work. work. Yes, he should be crushed. On my show locally, my my co-host, who was also, by the way, a Syracuse grad, Connor, Anthony Lima went to Syracuse, went there for got his master's degree at Syracuse. So I'm sure he's a distinguished gentleman and scholar. Oh, he's a slippery wizard. But he's also he doesn't really it's weird. He went there for his master's degree and that was like a business transaction for him. His heart and soul lies with Ohio State sports. He loves their basketball program because he's a basketball guy. He loves their football program. And he is I think that is his last bastion. As a psychotic fan. You hear Anthony Lima sporadically here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, He fills in for me and and has his usual show during the summer. Sometimes we'll see how it goes this year for him because who knows what's going through that guy's head sometimes. Anyway, he is a huge Ohio State fan. And I hope Pierno's not there to listen because then he'll just roll his eyes and get angry. I, I, I made it a famous story for myself that I used to be an Ohio State fan. I went to Akron and it really, it just left me. I Akron's what gave me an opportunity. Akron is is what I'm proud to be a part of, an alumni of, alumnus of. And uh, I'm an Akron fan. I'm not an Ohio State fan. But what Lima has done, he has cultivated a narrative. And coaches are fighting this narrative, and so so have I. He has cultivated a narrative that I hate Ohio State. I don't hate Ohio State. I'm not a fan of Ohio State. I'm just not a fan. It's freed me to see Ohio State and, and be critical of them and, and and actually look and kind of roll my eyes at Ohio State fans at times or give them the side eye here. But I don't hate Ohio State, and I don't root for Ohio State to lose. I, I watch college football, big-time college football, the way a lot of people do who cover it. I, I want to see a good game, and I'm going to be critical and praise. I don't think we praise enough, but I'm going to praise what I see. I don't like taking it out on college kids because they're amateurs. But I just watch the games, and, and I'll tell you what I think of the games and what I think of the programs. Well, he didn't, that ain't no fun in Lima. Lima wants people to think I'm an Ohio, I, I hate Ohio State. So last night, Ohio State, Connor, is kicking Clemson's ass. And I'm getting tweets. Hey, Ken, you liking this? Oh, this must suck to be you. Huh? And it's a narrative because they know it bothers me. The fans know it bothers me. The listeners, I should say, know it bothers me. And it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But there are people who he has convinced over the last few years, Connor, that I hate Ohio State. I don't. I don't hate him. I really don't. Is the narrative of you hating Ohio State making you actually hate Ohio State You know secretly? what? I have to remind myself that it's a show and I can't get myself worked into a shoot either. Ah, you see how that works? <laughs> so this is why I look at Dabo and I say, hey, you know what? Tough bleak, buddy. You did what you did. Because I could sit here all day long and say, I don't hate Ohio State. I'm just not a fan. And Ohio State fans will go, yeah, you hate Ohio State. Where are you from, Ken? Kent, Ohio. And you don't like Ohio State? No, I'm not a big fan of Ohio State. Well, then you hate Ohio State. And I can explain it to the blue, to blue in the face why I, I'm not a huge fan of Ohio State any, anymore, but I don't hate Ohio State. And people will sit there and say, it doesn't matter. You hate us. And so we hate you for hating us. And I go, okay, fine. I guess that's how it goes. Dabo Sweeney, with the way he says it, is logical. 
but as a guy who frequently has his words twisted and turned and used against me, get used to it, buddy. Ain't going away. You ranked Ohio State 11th. You ranked them outside of the top 10, and they beat the brakes off you. They beat the brakes off you all night. And then, if you really want to break it down to talking trash, the guy across the way from you, he went Steve Spurrier on you without even having to say anything, and he's throwing bombs up by 21. I mean, Justin Fields is sitting there. His guts are pouring out like he's in The Walking Dead, and he's just standing back going, whoop, and just 60 yards at a clip. And Justin Fields improved his draft stock last night because I think he might have just solidified number two overall last night with how he played through that injury, was still accurate, was still strong. And you, yeah, there are plenty of reasons why you would say, I didn't put any team that didn't win nine games, whatever. I don't care. It might be logical, but not the fans. You coach Clemson, buddy. You're the coach of a football team. You're a 51-year-old man, and you should really know better. That's on you. As someone whose words frequently come back to haunt him, I'm telling you as that person, get used to it because that's going to stick with you the rest of your career. You better win another national championship or two to get that stank off you because it's going to stick with you for a minute. Next. Work. All right, Ken, number three, Brian. Final one, final one. Final one. Brian Kelly's Notre Dame Fighting Irish were blown out by Alabama yesterday, losing 31-14 in a game that was more lopsided than the score indicated. It's another easy defeat for Notre Dame against a Blue Blood program as the Irish can't seem to compete with college football's elite. So can work or shoot, Kelly often dodges criticism because Notre Dame has higher academic standards in recruiting compared yep. to other schools. Yep. But even with that in mind, the Irish should be much more competitive in these games, and the blame ultimately lies with Brian Kelly. Boy, that's almost a two-part question. I love the way you ask these questions, Connor. Damn it, these are really good. These are way better than Hickey, and I love Hickey. Uh, I still got to say shoot. Shoot. Yeah. Um, the first part is if you say your academic standards are higher, that doesn't help you. That doesn't help you because you're still – your academic standards are higher. It doesn't mean you're still not trying to get kids who, who might need a little bit of help, Okay. So it doesn't help you to admit that. I totally see why he why he would sidestep that question. We all know it. We all know. And and the guys who get recruited to Notre Dame, they all find out eventually. It's it's a long history. It's an org, it's a program that wants their cake and eat it too. They want they want to keep their high academic standards and they also want to compete majorly in college football. And honestly, if you're still in the college football playoff, you are getting both worlds. You're just not winning national championships, but you're getting both worlds. But, yeah, you still should play better. You still should play better in these games. I think there's a block for you. I I think that if you were to put any team that – I think that Notre Dame would beat a lot of college football teams this year. A lot of teams in the top 10, a lot of teams in the top 25. I think Notre Dame would beat them. But I also think that those teams would perform better against Alabama or Clemson at full strength. I really do. And I don't know what it is – but you saying, well, we got beat on the corners, you got beat like a drum. You got beat inside and outside, and I pretty much do a whole Newt Rockney speech about how you got beat because you just got beat, okay? But, yeah, I, I don't blame him for avoiding that because that just doesn't help his it doesn't help his cause. But I also thought in his big speech last night, I think he was right. If they go 11-1 next year, we'll be back into the college football playoffs. That's the way it works with Notre Dame because we all, we all watch because we either love him or we like to complain about him. By the way, it's another reason why Ohio State fans don't believe me when I say I don't hate them, Connor. Because Ohio State, if you're in the state of Ohio, 
usually, if you're an Ohio State fan, you usually hate Notre Dame. And I'm like, ah, I kind of like Notre Dame. I like Rudy, the history, the whole thing, the rocket. I like it. Kind of like it. I think, and Ken, that like, you oh. need to just lean right into this Ohio State hatred and just become a big-time Ohio State hater. No, I don't want to do that because I got small kids and I'm going to raise them Ohio State fans because I was an Ohio State fan when I was a kid. I got baby pictures with me and Ohio State stuff. And I was in the 90s. I was a huge – God, did I hate Tim Biakabatuka. And I hated John Navarre. And then I went to college and, you know, just it got beat out of me, I guess. And I'm an Akron fan. And my football team very rarely wins now. So there you go. But we won last night in college basketball. That's what really matters to an Akron fan. All right, enough of that. That is Worker Shoot. Fantastic as always. Coming up next, Brennan Marcello going to join us. 24-7 sports. We'll talk college football with him. Who's going to come out on top? Alabama or does Ohio State have it in them again? Another big upset coming up. We'll ask him. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio right now. It's the latest sports update with Marco Belletti. This is the Ken Carmen Show. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. On CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. If you're on hold, we'll get to you. Coming up at 1 o'clock Eastern, why I I can't give Dabo any excuse whatsoever. He's a 51-year-old man. He ought to known better. He, it's just that simple. Also, what I think of Urban Meyer if he were to go to the NFL. That all coming up. Right now, let's go to the hotline. We welcome in Brandon Marcella, one of the finest with 24-7 sports. He covers national, he covers the whole national college football scene for 24-7 sports. Follow him on Twitter, at BMarcello. Brandon, thanks for joining us this afternoon, friend. Hey, man, anytime. How surprised were you with last night's performance? The, the overall <laughs> result. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just shocked at how Justin Fields performed, one, even if he was fully healthy, but two, considering the injuries he had suffered, whether it was rib or, you know, something to the kidney or something, taking that helmet hit and to continue playing, even if he got shot up with some medicine a couple of times, as he said in the tent, I, I thought was incredible. I mean, the guy has 16 t- six touchdown passes, more, more touchdown passes than incompletions. And that Ohio State defensive line just absolutely ate up Clemson's offensive line and that was a big factor going into the game Clemson's yes. offensive line you know my my, my partners at 24-7 sports they had ranked the position groups they believed it was the worst in the playoff and um, you know that Ohio State defensive line is very very good and boy they kind of made Trevor Lawrence's life hectic back there and including in that second half even when Clemson started getting the ball moving again they kept stopping them because that defensive line was getting in their face but I mean, we, we could talk all day about Justin Fields' performance. It, it's one for the for the ages and one that will go down in Ohio State history. He's already a Ohio State legend because of it. Um, for me, going forward, is, my thing is, is just how healthy is he going to be for Alabama because they're going to need another performance like that to beat Alabama because I think that thing is going to be a blowout – or not a blowout, excuse me, a shootout. Ooh, okay. Well, we'll get to that coming up in a minute. Let me let me go back to that defensive line question because I, I couldn't help but notice the same thing you did, Brandon. And what what really threw me off, I'm going, man. I, listen, I'll give Kerry Coombs credit 
because he deserves credit because he's a coach. But there's also was there a, was there an athletic factor to it? Was there anything to because they they were getting the Lawrence with three guys rushing. That's a problem. Yeah. That's not that's nothing that's like nothing they've ever seen. You got three guys rushing, and you're still getting to a quarterback. You got a serious problem along that offensive line. Oh yeah, it's a huge issue. You know, and, and the Clemson early in the game was countering that by going the outside and taking the bend into the perimeter because they're faster than Ohio State on the perimeter. But Clemson kind of got away from that a little bit. And then when they started going to the perimeter a little bit, it was a little bit more predictable. Um, they adjusted also on Ohio State's defense. And so they were giving up some chunk plays on the ground, so to speak, but they weren't giving up as big of plays as they were. And it wasn't keeping them on the heels. They kind of settled down a little bit. And so Ohio State was able to combat that, maybe the athleticism um, issue that they, you know, maybe had against Clemson's uh, skill players by just completely owning that Clemson offensive line and getting the quarterback, pushing things out, limiting, you know, plays, disrupting plays. And, you know, listen, um, I thought going into that game that the only the only way not only way but the way Clemson could pull away early in that game was just to attack the perimeter, go downfield, run it wide, score a few times early, and make Ohio State play catch up, put the pressure on them, and they kind of did that. But Ohio State responded, and then once Clemson punted once or twice, and Ohio State kept scoring. It was over. Uh, Ohio State totally flipped that game. From the first possession you watched when Clemson had the ball, it was like, wow, Clemson might run away with this to you get a stop or two and you're scoring yourself. And Ohio State completely flipped everything. And that was because they settled down on defense and that defensive line just absolutely dominated Clemson up front. An outstanding performance. On the other side, was there disappointment in Brent Venables' defense? I know they lost a couple of players, and I will admit, Brent, Venable, Brent Venables kind of annoys me. I think you're a grown man. You shouldn't need a guy <laughs> holding you by the belt. I just, like, I don't know. Let me at him. I just think that's kind of silly to me, <laughs> to be honest, Brandon. Like, come on, you're a grown man. Let's be serious. But yeah. I want to be, be fair. Was this, was this because they were outmanned? Ohio State's offense is very good. Or did Brent Venables just look at this the wrong way? Um, I think it might be a combination of things. I mean, all of you of what you just said, but also, listen, Brent Venables in ACC circles, he's known as a guy who has perfected the art of sign stealing. He's got people everywhere. They have figured out ways to predict and project what plays are coming and then also steal signs during games. It's not illegal. So that's up to the team to change things if you know that going in. And guess what? Ohio State knew that going in and changed it. Uh, Justin Fields said after the game, in between crunts of pain, by the way, with his ribs, yeah. he said, hey, listen, we huddled up a, l- a lot more in this game because we did not want our signs stolen. He said that straight up. They knew what, what, what Brent Venable's defense does and their support staff. They steal signals. They know what's coming. Before plays, often if you watch Brent Venables on the sideline, I really wish they would do picture-in-picture with him, especially in a big game like this. You'll see him checking into plays right before the snap because he sees what's coming or knows what's coming based off of the signals that are coming in and the checks that the offense makes right before the snap himself. He wasn't really able to do that last night, and that's because Ohio State adjusted 
and they made sure to not allow that to happen. So I think that was a big factor last night in that game. It's something that maybe is, I want to say, intangible, but it kind of lies between tangible and intangible because you're like, well, if a good defense is a good defense, it's good. But if you know what plays are coming or have an idea of what, what plays are coming, you're a lot better on defense than you usually are. Brandon Marcello joining us on the show, 24-7 Sports. We should expect a shootout next week, correct? Oh, I, I think so. I think it's going to be very similar to the SEC championship game we saw between Alabama and Florida, one in which where I, I think, in my opinion, I think Alabama will kind of be in control but always be maybe like Ohio State's within a touchdown or maybe two touchdowns and still has a chance in the game, something like that. I think it'll be a shootout, but, man, Alabama is just stacked everywhere. But I'm actually writing right now, writing a, a column about what makes this matchup different than maybe the previous championship games we've seen in the playoff, but also just in the SEC championship and the Big Ten championship. We're seeing this blossoming of these elite talent receivers and quarterbacks who completely trump any defense they face. They could have faced an elite defense, doesn't matter, they score 45 points. We saw that last year with LSU and Joe Burrow. We're seeing it this year with Mac Jones. Heck, we saw it with Kyle Trask just two weeks ago at Florida against this Alabama defense. Yeah, that's true. I think, though, these two teams are so good in the trenches that that might be something where, not to say this game looks more like old school or whatever, but you're going to have some big, big moments that come down to what happens in the trenches rather than a quarterback just stepping up and delivering a pass to Devontae Smith because he's faster than everybody else on the field. There's going to be some some war games in those trenches. These guys that are in the trenches for Ohio State and, and Alabama, they've just been hearing the bombs fly over their head all season long. You know, with these passes, uh, I, I think that they're going to be delivering some big blows of their own and trying to get every inch uh, on on that football field here next week. I I, I think it's going to be um, uh, something that's more of a uh, of an issue for both teams in this game than what they faced uh, maybe previously this season. Brandon Marcello joining us. Find him on Twitter at BMarcello. Steve Sarkeesian, move forward with me. The year is 2024. It's January 2nd, 2024. How about that? What are we saying about Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns? Oh, man, it's difficult. I mean, there's so much with that Texas job that it's more than just the head coach. You've got to have a great system, a great process. You've got to have great assistant coaches around you. Um, I, I think for me, Sarkeesian, what, this, the great unknown about Sarkeesian is we know, we know about his past. You know, he's re- rehabilitated his, his, his image. He's had two successful years at Alabama. But let's also not forget, he didn't, didn't even last two years at the Falcons as the offensive coordinator. So he's been working with NFL talent at Alabama and if you do that, pretty much any offensive coordinator is going to look good. But what is, how is how's he changed as a guy who's going to be a head coach when it comes to putting a staff together and also the development of players, how he goes about recruiting, and then also just kind of bringing that locker room together? Because that locker room is very fractured, and a lot of them were against Tom Herman. 
And, you know, he's got to bring everybody together. But also, I want to know kind of what his game plan is. I want to see his PowerPoint presentation, his hour-long PowerPoint presentation of how he plans to turn Texas around, but also build it for sustainability. That's something that is completely out there that we don't even really know about because the last time we saw him as a head coach, obviously he had to resign at USC because of some personal issues. So I don't know quite what to expect here. I just think, I just know this, Tom Herman's time at Texas was ending this season, even if he did coach next season, because they, they just weren't really going to do anything next year because of the way, the way the players were in that locker room. I just don't know what Sarkeesian is going to be in 2024. As you said, it's going to be interesting. Now, Alabama and Texas play here in a few years. That'll be oh, that'll fun. be interesting. That'll be fun. And, we got that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Saban being undefeated against his assistant coaches, uh, yeah. he has another chance to keep that up. Um, but listen, I think this is uh, not necessarily say a gamble, but it's one that it makes sense in a lot of ways. But I think for Texas, the only people who really know kind of how maybe this could progress are the ones that were involved in the process that were presented a plan and how he's going to go about implementing it at Texas. And to be quite honest, I don't think anybody could tell you exactly what that's going to be on the outside looking in. We'll find out as they go along. But this is a hire where it's kind of like, it's, I think they're taking a big chance here. Brandon, we thank you very much for the time. Follow him on Twitter at Marcello, one of the finest. I think Dabo made our serious mistake this week. We get into it next. Ken Carmen, CBS Sports Radio. You're in a five-minute break. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Uh, 